0: The opinions expressed on the following sponsored program are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of this station, its staff, management, or sponsors. Welcome to Best Stop Trafficking, your best voice, hosted by Linda Sullivan, Certified Master Coach for Victims of Human Trafficking. In fact, BEST stands for Building Empowerment by Stopping Trafficking. Specializing in aiding the victim to pursuing and prosecuting the trafficker. And now, here's Linda.
1: Hi, this is Linda Sullivan and I'm here with my co-host, Eddie Friedman.
2: Hello, everyone.
1: And our intern for BEST, Sarah Sullivan. Hello. Most Americans are aware of human trafficking, but a vast majority do not know how close to home it really is. There are clearly gaps in the U.S. law system. How can officers separate trafficking victims from criminals? And what do we do with these trafficking victims once they are found? We are going to have a wonderful guest today for you. Julia Leister of Rutherford Mohall, an attorney. She's a renowned expert on human trafficking issues. Julia, are you with us?
2: Yes. Hello, Linda.
1: Uh, we are so excited to have you here today. I just want to make a couple of announcements, and then we're going to zero in on you. You are the star today. <laughs> <laughs> our call-in number to speak to Julia and our guests is 888 888- Five six five fourteen seventy. And
3: Sarah, you have a quick announcement? Yes. Anna Rodriguez has been working as an international human trafficking rescuer for nearly 20 years. She's the CEO and founder of the Florida Coalition Against Human Trafficking. Her memoir, Ma'am Anna, chronicles how one woman dared to track and hunt traffickers and recover stolen human beings sold as property. It is the true story about the cases, the struggles, and the outcomes she faced working in the field of human trafficking. You can pre-order Mamana through Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and Books A Million. Great, thank you. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest, Julia Leister, today.
1: She's a renowned expert, once again. Not only is she an attorney, but she's an international speaker and an author on human trafficking and other social injustices. She works with marginalized, the prostitutes, street people, slum dwellers, and trafficking victims that have been held captive in brothels in various areas in southern India, and she plans to continue to do so. She has her own private practice in the U.S., which focuses on commercial litigation and appeals. Julia, thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? Thank you so much,
4: <laughs> Linda, for having me. I'm, I'm wonderful.
1: Well, we've got a lot of questions, and we're sure our callers are going to have some questions for you. So I'm going to go first. <laughs> Julia, as the problem of human trafficking grows and evolves over time, so do the repercussions that accompany it. This is seen in major recent cases of human trafficking in the US and I am sure also in cases that have been worldwide. The secondary problems though still need to be dealt with because of the initial evolution. So the ability to distinguish between actual human trafficking victims and prostitutes or illegal aliens seeking work illegally is definitely an issue, but just as problematic What do we do with these unique victims once they have been identified? Do you have any suggestions for filling in the gaps in the U.S. legal system in addressing this issue?
4: Yes, and to begin, that's a great global question to begin with for today's discussion, which is focusing on, I think, primarily sex trafficking. Um, The suggestions I would have are four. One, that we're at a beautiful time in Florida where we actually need to educate the legal system. That would be the lawyers and the judges. We also have an opportunity to clarify and unify the laws that we do have on the books that apply to human trafficking, safe harbor placement, prostitution, commercial sex trafficking. We also need to train service providers. We're at that point in time where we've raised awareness over the past two to three years on a public level, but now we need to bring that training down to the micro level train the actual service providers or first responders who are in, con- or in contact with the trafficking victims. And finally, I would say we would, we would do best to implement the best model, which I'll talk further about as we continue to
1: talk with each other. Well, thank you. That is wonderful. I know that Sarah has a question for you because we want to make sure that our listeners, some are very experienced and some are laypeople,
3: and she has some questions for you. Yes, Julia, what does the term safe harbor mean?
4: safe harbor is actually not defined in any of the Florida statutes but safe harbor means that we recognize a minor who is a prostitute as a victim instead of a delinquent and that we provide them with protection and services instead of prosecuting them and detaining them historically uh, minors who were engaged in prostitution were arrested and and prosecuted. Uh, now, safe harbor is a is a term that's used to again recognize these minors as victims, whether they're trafficked or not, and to provide them with protection and services because they are children.
1: And speaking about the safe harbor in Florida, we're going to go more into uh, potential uh, shortfalls because of getting the law out there now and your opinion on those, but we're going to get into that a little bit
2: later. I know Eddie has a question for you. Hi, Julia. Uh, Hi. What are the primary goals of the Florida Safe Harbor Act?
4: Well, the purpose and intent of the Safe Harbor Act is actually found in Section 39.001 of Florida statute. and According to the stated purpose and intent, it's to ensure the safety of children. It's to provide treatment of children as victims and not delinquents. It's to sever bonds between exploited children and traffickers, and we can explain what that means. Uh, and the fourth is to enable children to be reliable witnesses and prosecutions of traffickers. But really, the purpose is to tie into identifying the prostituted child as a victim and not a criminal or a delinquent. It was amended to specifically include exploited children to be, quote, found to be dependent so that they are now able to be provided services and it further refines the definition of an exploited, a sexually exploited child to include a prostitute. So custody, shelter, and disposition proceedings are amended to provide the sheltering of the sexually exploited children and specifically designated short, specifically short term but occasionally long term safe houses.
1: Uh, Julia, you brought up before we're going to get into the uh, need for judges to become trained and other lawyers and not to stay focused on just one type of awareness training. A child forced into prosecution at a young age and then turns 18 does not necessarily stop that child from being a victim. Do you believe that it is crucial that judges do not limit their trainings to organizations that are just running safe houses and say DCF, but actually open their training sessions to organizations that are experienced um, by trained lawyers that actually train lawyers, have experienced certified coaches in specialty areas so that the judges will be more properly able to handle human trafficking cases brought into their courtrooms?
4: Oh, I think it's critical. It's critical for a number of reasons. It's critical to our state's success, not only the judges, but also DCF and those running state houses trained through BEST. Um, There are many reasons. The state legal and social service system in in Florida reported no arrests of trafficking victims in 2011. That's not uncommon. The Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office was just trained In identifying human trafficking or in even knowing what human trafficking is in October of 2011 and those in the sheriff's office that were trained were those in the sex crimes unit so what we're experiencing here is actually a paradigm shift in first responders and judges Um, also safe houses they're in the business of staying in business so have an agenda frankly to, to fill beds safe houses and are houses used for homeless and delinquents that are now opening beds for trafficking victims. So the model of rehabilitation they know and they're familiar with is actually not the best model and in fact it has been a model that has proven to fail in serving victims of trafficking. So we have to have a paradigm shift. I think best also injects, and by BEST I mean the organization Building Empowerment by Stopping Trafficking, injects a missing link into the system which is legal representation for the child victim. Um, BEST combined, and if you want me to, to go into this portion now I can...
1: Sure, please
4: do. BEST combined, the statute only provides for a child advocate which is actually an employee of a short term state house. We're talking about the Safe Harbor Act of Florida. There's a lot of pitfalls to that, which we can get into. Best model actually pairs the client, the victim, the child, with both a lawyer and a certified coach. Now, under the statute, there's literally no training required for what is called the child advocate. Through the best model, the um, the advocate would go through uh, certified training, uh, numerous hours, and I think only accredited program of approved for continuing education credits for mental health professionals. But pairing the lawyer and a coach with the victim is critical to the victim empowerment process because the coach is covered by the attorney-client privilege and the privilege is key to protecting the information that the child or the client provides to the coach. Right now the way the statute works is that the child advocate is responsible for everything including Representing this child in court proceedings or attending court proceedings with the child. So my long answer is yes. An organization like Best, which is specifically trained and specifically knowledgeable in what is best for human trafficking victims, is crucial to the
2: education process.
1: Fantastic. Um, and stay here because we have lots more questions for you. But I want our audience to know to call in and to speak to Julia. It's eight 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 five six five fourteen seventy and Julia is an attorney, an experienced attorney in this field, as well as um, an author she 's published and a speaker, and she is one of the most renowned professionals in this area that we know. Eddie, you have a question for Julia
2: Yes, Julia, once victims of human trafficking are finally identified. It is crucial that a method to assist and protect them be developed. Many young victims are sent back to their original homes or foster homes where the trafficking began with nothing done to stop the trafficking cycle or to prevent the victim from escaping. Adult victims are also left with little to no public assistance. Do you see the partial solutions such as short-term safe houses as problematic that can cause further traumatization when the young victims are forced to leave after approximately 30 days?
4: Yeah. Um, Recidivism rates are extremely high when you you deal with uh, human trafficking victims anyway. When you're talking about uh, minors and commercial sexual trafficking, 30 days. If you can get them to stay for 30 days, it's a miracle. The trafficking victim, particularly a minor, is so psychologically traumatized, they've bonded with the trafficker in a way they feel that that person is their only source of love or they may have a fear of being away from the trafficker. They will return to that trafficker more likely than not. And in the Latino trafficking rings, the Trafficker or the pimp is actually referred to as father. In some of the trafficking rings, they're boyfriends or they fall in love with the trafficker, but in the Latino group, they're referred to as father. In order for a minor sex trafficking victim to have any chance of recovering and to reduce the likelihood that she's gonna to return to the perpetrator, she or he needs specialized long-term care and specialized attention with trained therapists this specific area of victimization of vocational and educational rehabilitation, it sometimes takes months for a victim to even talk and yet we expect a victim to process that they are a victim, to even become aware that they're a victim. Uh, That's a huge leap and then it takes an even longer period of time for them to determine whether they want to avail themselves of civil remedies against the trafficker. So I would say although most Two-thirds, I think, of the uh, statutes in the country deal with short-term housing. Long-term housing is is critical.
1: Julia, we have a caller on the line for you. Terry, do you have a question for Julia? Yes, I do. Actually,
4: it's a two-part question. Okay.
1: Have you identified any outright
4: harmful effects or disadvantages to sexually exploited children from from the Florida Safe Harbor Act? I'm not sure I
3: understand
1: the question. Um, uh, What Terry's asking is, um, based on the way the Safe Harbor Act has come out now, do you think that there will be any harmful consequences to the exploited children?
4: The uh, Act of January... was effective January um, 2013. I think that... uh, the Act does not identify the doesn't refer to human trafficking statutes, it doesn't refer to prostitution statute, and I think that because the facts are that placement in a program which is a mainstream program along with, for example, um, other types of children who have been abused or, or determined to be delinquent have proven to routinely fail these children that I think there's no reason why the model that the Florida legislature has set up would not follow the same pattern
1: and and continually uh, continue to fail in that pattern
4: continue to fail the victims the child victims of trafficking yeah
1: right um Terry what's the second question you have Terry oh we lost Terry so we're gonna go forward with Sarah
3: Uh, Yes, Julia, how does the Florida Safe Harbor Act attempt to achieve its goals?
1: Uh,
4: Short-term housing. It attempts to achieve its goals by short-term housing, and so long as that housing is located in the circuit or otherwise reasonably available, that's also a problem with trafficking victims. Um, They are runners. They're going to try to get back to the trafficker, and if the housing is... Required to be located in the circuit, and I assume by that it means the judicial circuit. Uh, it's, they're placing the victim at, at a higher risk of reuniting with the trafficker. Placement should be at a distance from the trafficker. They also utilize an assessment method with a guardian ad litem, law enforcement reports, therapists, teachers, and other professionals with knowledge of the child. Now, we're assuming this child has all of this. Um, and each judicial review the court is given a status on the suitability of the child's placement. So basically what we're looking at is the delinquency model. And again, the, the statute talks repeatedly about an attorney for the safe house. It does not talk about a, an attorney for the child. It talks about a child advocate appearing in court um, for the child. So... So those are some areas where it's attempting to achieve the goal uh, and it's also providing um,
0: an assessment
4: of the number of children that are identified for placement and how many are placed, how many are not placed and the success of that placement.
1: But the attempt to achieve the goal, I mean the key is that they do need to have those attorneys and those certified advocates under that privilege because there's so many other cross crimes that can be identified, is that correct? Yes. Um, Actually, Julia, what is the burden of proof for charging someone with the crime of sex trafficking? And if you can identify that to us, do you also believe it's fair, or do you think there should be some change to it?
4: That's a great question, because it was recently just changed, and it's also quite confusing. Under um, 796.035, which is selling or buying minors into prostitution, The standard is if uh, if you sell or transfer custody with knowledge or reckless disregard that that child will prostitute, makes it a criminal act. 787.06, which is also the human trafficking statute, also uses that standard of of knowingly or reckless disregard. It it has removed the force, fraud, or coercion, which is good, as two thirds of the states still require this. Uh, so it's an improvement. Um, the civil remedy standard is clear and convincing evidence, the high standard, but with the new uh, standard, it, has, it, it hasn't been determined. It's going to make it easier to prosecute. I assume it was changed to make it easier. To prosecute.
2: Um,
1: Terry's back on the line. Terry, did you call back in with the yes. other half of your question?
4: Yeah, I did. I lost the call by accident. Okay. Hi, Terry. The right
1: question is, are you concerned with the unlicensed practice of
4: law going on with all these newly allowed safe houses popping up? I don't know that they are, uh, I haven't considered it. I don't know that I'm concerned about it. But it does trigger the importance of having an attorney there for that child as soon as possible. I think that the child advocate as defined in the statute simply appears with the child. And I know that judges are are currently appointing um, legal aid, but legal aid is insufficient in um, representing a a child. So we do need to get up to speed in in getting lawyers on board immediately with these uh, children.
1: Um, Thank you, Terry, for that great question, and thank you, Julia, for bringing that important point, that triggering effect the need for these attorneys as soon as possible. To call in and speak to Julia, 888-565-1470. And, Eddie, you have.
2: Yes, I do. Um, Can a child victim of sex trafficking be charged as a prostitute for sexually explicit act performed while they were being trafficked?
4: The way the statutes are written now, the answer would be yes, because we have multiple statutes and none of them reference each other. Safe Harbor for Children uh, Act, which is 409, and the Safe Harbor Placement under 39, doesn't reference prostitution statute, and the prostitution statute does not um, identify uh, an age. Now, I know from the... Officers on the street, they're having a tough time with this transition. They're having a tough time because they're actually interviewing the children at the scene to determine if they are, quote, a victim or not. And so, as I said, there's a paradigm shift that's happening right at the first responder level. So... uh, I think the introduction of an attorney immediately and the education of law enforcement that you shouldn't be interviewing the child outside of the presence of an attorney. That child should have their Miranda rights read to them. And that the interview process, they're all trying to do the right thing. Everyone's trying to do the right thing. But um, speaking to that child, and in, if that child is not going to, at that moment of contact, maybe even understand that they're a victim. so.
1: And also the question and also, yes, absolutely, and also do um it should be the attorney who's explaining what those terms mean, yeah, I mean, you don't want a prosecutor um, explaining or to a victim you know, what those terms mean, no. I would think there'll be some type of conflict there,
4: or a police officer mm-hmm. on the street,
1: right. So, how do you think, Julia, that the Florida Safe Harbor Act compares to safe harbor acts of other states? Have you had a chance to look at any of that? And maybe I did
4: look at some others. Um, It's comparable, actually. Uh, New York was the first to enact the safe harbor act for exploited children, which recognized that children in prostitution are not criminals or delinquents, but victims of really a brutal form of child sexual abuse who need specialized services. But the New York Uh, Act also provides for short-term housing or short-term care. Um, Other bills are in Connecticut, Illinois, and Washington that that are are good. Uh, And the Texas Supreme Court has recently, well, that was 2010, ruled that children involved in prostitution are victims and not criminals. So, but if we, in taking that question, if we actually look at Florida. Florida is one of the top tier states in its legislation in the area of human trafficking. Um, Polaris Project ranks all of the states in terms of their um, tiers, how well they're doing in in enacting legislation and in prosecuting and preventing and protecting uh, victims. And Florida was actually selected as one of the five districts to participate in a pilot anti-trafficking coordination team on a federal level. So it reports to Washington and also receives federal resources for its participation.
1: So... Uh, do you think that um, because of the uh, coalitions and everybody who's say um, doing their own programs that are comparable and they kind of link together, that those statistics could be skewed because they are not um, they're not getting their statistics from other organizations?
4: I'm sorry, say that again?
1: Are they not getting uh, statistics from, say, other organizations, only specific organizations, say Polaris Project, may have looked at specific organizations to get their statistics? The, st- the statistics
4: are all over the board. Florida mm-hmm. itself has not kept track of them because on the state level, there have there were no arrests. Right. For trafficking, they were arresting them as prostitutes. And on the state level, if they did have an arrest, they weren't prosecuting it. it was too difficult to prosecute a sex trafficking crime the way the old state statute had the standard. So it just wasn't happening, so there were no numbers,
1: and they weren't keeping track of the numbers. Right. I'll be Jeff on the line. Hi, Jeff. You have a question for Julia?
4: Good, good morning. The, the, are you concerned with the monitoring of those newly allowed safe house by the CFS?
1: Did you hear that, Drew? No. Are you concerned? The question was: Are you concerned with the monitoring of the newly um, allowed short-term safe houses by DCF? Yes.
4: That will be my answer.
1: Okay.
2: <laughs>
1: Did you get that answer? That is, and I'm sure there are great concerns, and I'm sure that um, we're going to go hear some of those as we answer some of these other questions. Thank you, Jeff, and thank you, Julia. <laughs> Sarah, you have a question.
3: What are the positive steps forward that result from the Florida Safe Harbor Act?
4: Well, well right now uh, we have recognition child prostitutes or victims not delinquents we also have a mandatory system of tracking the assessment and placement of these children something we didn't have before and we have a statute that allows first responders and judges to protect minor sex trafficking victims those those are three um, wonderful points that, that we have now that we did not have before
1: Julia, do you have any um, input on the actual tracking system that's going to be put into place, or is it just a general we are going to track?
4: It's a general we are going to track. I do not know. I think,
2: let's see.
1: Okay, so you're going to... Don't,
4: I don't know how the tracking is going to be uh, done.
1: Okay, so we're not this. it's just suggested that it's part of it and there's going to be a tracking system but nobody has actually defined it, which could also be one of the shortfalls of the Safe Harbor Act to date. And so you put these things through without thinking and having the models actually approved. Um,
4: right. And I think they're also modeling other state statutes. If you read other state statutes uh, they're modeling those statutes, which did not have provisions on how you're tracking it, who's tracking it, what are you tracking, what's the criteria for the tracking. I mean, so,
1: right, and the key is who's tracking it as well. It could be self-monitored, for
2: all we know. I mean, there's yeah. just not enough information. Eddie, you have a question. Yes, I do. Um, do you believe it is important to have advocates paired with a victim the moment they are identified?
4: That is another great question, and in t- and to answer that question. First, we have to look at what is an advocate, and what, at what point is a victim identified? Now, under 409-1678, which is safe harbor for children who are victims of sexual exploitation, it defines a child advocate as an employee of a short-term safe house. Now, I feel that an advocate, as an attorney, would be that an attorney should be immediately paired with child the moment they're identified to protect them, uh, protect their legal rights, and to immediately put that umbrella of protection over them with the coach. Um, and then identified is another point. Um, it's critical to have the child protected um, from the point of contact. Now, it's law enforcement that identifies under the Safe Harbor Act whether this child um, is assessed for placement in a safe house. Now, assessment for placement in a safe house, um, you know, means that it's law enforcement who identifies them as a victim of sexual exploitation. That's very broad. It's good that it's very broad. But trafficking is a subsection of sexual exploitation.
1: So... Uh, Julia, can you hold on one second? We're going to read something that's uh, an announcement, and then we're going to take a short break. But do not go away because we have some other
3: calls on the line and lots more questions for you. Hi, everyone. Mark your calendars. On Friday, September 14th from 6 to 9 p.m. at Chima Brazilian Steakhouse on Las Olas Boulevard in Fort Lauderdale, Fest is having the Give It Your Best social mixer. Come network and enjoy yourself. There will be free drinks for the first 75 guests as well as free appetizers for everyone. Happy hour is until 8 p.m. with two-for-one drinks. You can also enter to win some of our amazing raffle prizes. There will be a $20 suggested donation at the door. Come and support the best cause.
1: Okay, and we're listening with Julia. We're going to take a short break.
0: L.J. Sullivan, Certified Public Accountant can provide you with assistance in all your tax federal and business affairs assistance that will improve your total financial well being the firm offers a wide variety of services from PCAOB audits and AICPA audits to forensic and litigation support and domestic and international tax matters. Licensed as a CPA in both New York and Florida and holding a Certificate of Expertise in U.S. Tax and an LLM in International Taxation and Financial Services, L.J. Sullivan CPA Firm is a boutique firm duly qualified to assist you. That's L.J. Sullivan, Certified Public Accountant. To make an appointment, go to their website, www.ljsullivancpa.com That's ljsullivancpa.com Or just call 305-728-5183 and let LJ Sullivan CPA go to work for you. Best Academy is the only global accredited program to certify coaches for victims of sex trafficking. In fact, BEST stands for Building Empowerment by Stopping Trafficking, and they can help you get certified as a coach in this specialized field. For more information on the training process, cost, and to apply, just fill in the contact information form at www.beststoptrafficking.org. That's beststoptrafficking.org. From there, click on the contact button and fill out the form. Make sure to identify that you are interested in becoming a coach. The program is offered worldwide through various venues. Lawyers, want to be part of Best Laws? You too can go to beststoptrafficking.org and fill out the contact form to receive information or simply email them at info at beststoptrafficking.org. The website again is It's beststoptrafficking.org. Be part of the best team to stop trafficking.
1: Hi, this is Linda Sullivan, and how are you? Welcome back to your Best Voice Radio, 888-565-1470 to speak with our esteemed guest, Julia Leister, who works for Rutherford Mill Hall, an attorney with such great experience. Julia, welcome back, and thank you for staying there.
4: Thank you so much for having me, Linda. It's a pleasure.
1: Now, I can't believe uh, we are very excited to have you here. You're so knowledgeable, and your information being shared is absolutely phenomenal. And going on back so that our audience does know, we are talking about the uh, new Safe Harbor Act and it's short Falls and what is going on in its comparisons. And Julia Leister is a renowned expert on trafficking issues. She has been um, on the Oasis Global Regional Anti-Trafficking Advisor. She has been. Uh, she's an author. She just is out there talking internationally and domestically. She's been a key speaker and an educator in many universities in India, and she has been here in Florida. Uh, just spreading her expertise. So we cannot um, impress enough that if you do have a question, you should call and speak to Julia, 888-565-1470. Annie, you want to run with
2: this? Sure. I just wanted to uh, revisit what we were talking about previously. Uh, Do you believe this act can cause more harm than good to victims? The Florida Safe Harbor Act?
4: Yes. I think that... um, I think that there's a number of problems with it that that can cause more harm than, than good. When you have uh, a short-term care, that's harmful. If you have uh, no criteria for the child advocate training as the act uh, now has, it's going to cause more harm than good. If you're going to... Um, include within the same population a child who's been trafficked with a child who's been adjudicated uh, delinquent, it's going to cause more harm than good. If you fail to uh, have an attorney with that child at first point of contact with whether it's a police officer or child advocate as defined by the statute, you're going to cause more harm than good. These are very delicate, delicate, delicate children who have just been traumatized in a unique way and we can't take a delinquency model and place it on top of them and expect it to be effective. I'll give you an anecdotal. I had a judge call me, had a victim said I need a safe house, didn't get the, I mean, this happened overnight and they placed the child in a facility that was not um didn't have the proper training, didn't have the proper staff, didn't have the proper coach, and that child ran. So the child no sooner was in it's it's like your own child. They're in your hands and then they're gone. So yes, it can cause more harm. It can re traumatize the child.
1: And the re traumatization can be um more far worse than uh, the situation when they were first located not the experience that they've gone through but then they have to relive it and it can take them even deeper and further into psychological traumas
4: Right because you have a child that you've now quote rescued and if you fail that child on the first right out of the gate on a, on a visceral psychological level that child's going to then already with little or no self-esteem going to feel even further um Debilitated and potentially not recover from it.
1: And even further, the child is uh, first—you re- know—they If they have been rescued or believe they've been rescued. They don't want to lose what they've just
3: regained. Exactly. Sarah, you have a question. Well, Julia, why do you believe such a flawed act was able to pass so easily in Tallahassee? That's
4: a—that's a good that's question. There's a there's a number of reasons. And it's hard to know where to start. I think it begins with um, the United States first ranked itself on the TIP report. That's the Federal Trafficking in Persons Report that evaluates all of the countries and their progress in preventing, protecting, and prosecuting in the arena of human trafficking. About three, four years ago, the United States first placed itself on the report.
2: placed itself
4: quite high on the report, and other countries were quite quite critical of the United States for, well, not actually having any programs in place to meet the three P's of prevention, protection, and prosecution. So on the federal level, the Justice Department, Health and Human Services, Homeland Security, and every other federal program began tremendous awareness campaigns. Everywhere you looked, human trafficking was the hot topic. Everybody was talking about it. And everybody wanted to be on the bandwagon. Even those who were not trained, not experienced and not appropriate service providers so it had sort of an environment where we were going to put the cart before the horse anyway uh, I know a lot of great organizations out there locally that were were donated houses for quote safe houses and had no idea what to do with them they didn't have the skill set the training or even the access to information to set up the long-term care safe house or even to know that a long-term uh, care is requisite. They didn't know how to obtain access to those skills and it was exhausting. Um, They also didn't know how to get access to the victims and the victims were not even being identified. It was also putting the cart before the horse because although much education was being conducted throughout the state for public awareness, first responders, the treatment and care prong of the model, which we're talking about today, was not being addressed by the providers of those services. There were no providers of those services specialized for domestic sex trafficking victim such as a best coach with the highest levels of training. Training pro- programs that were made available consisted of primarily like anecdotal stories or, or reports of everything from trafficking to cases that smelled like trafficking. So there was no cohesiveness and attorneys, healthcare providers, social workers were were really missing from the picture until now. Um, I'd say we ended up with it because facilities that provide services for the homeless and delinquent also wanted to access federal grant money for trafficking victims. And when you don't have the numbers, there had to be a way to um, get the the funding. So uh, we needed to identify you know, victims, so we said we're going to now treat minors as prostitutes in order to sort of move into the trafficking ring without having the trafficking recovery service model in place. So it was a matter of, of just a rush to the finish line and sort of an out-of-order step.
1: And hopefully um, we're going to get to some topics where you can help identify what we would need to do. I know Eddie has a question, but for, before we go, 888-565-1470 to call in and speak to Julie.
2: Eddie? Okay. Julia, what are the top three amendments you would like to see made to the Florida Safe Harbor Act? First, obviously, as
4: I've been talking, uh, long-term shelter placement. Long-term shelter placement is critical for sexually exploited children as opposed to temporary or short-term placement. Um, these children need stability in their surroundings. They have been moved multiple times, and oftentimes they do not even know what town or city they're in, um, in the course of their sexual trafficking. By providing them with stability in placement, you're going to, and familiarity in their surroundings, you're not only going to allow them to uh, recover from a health standpoint faster, but they're going to become better and more reliable uh, informants and better and more reliable uh, witnesses. Uh, the second aspect uh, that I would recommend changing would be The requirements for child advocates, and really the definition of what a child advocate is, under the current law, child advocates are not required to have any formal training other than a certain amount of training by the shelter and advocacy. Uh, Non-loyal child advocates have no formal legal training, and they cannot provide the children they advocate for with legal advice, although I'm sure they would desire to do so. People don't enter into that profession without desire to serve the child but the advocates must be able to determine their client's legal needs and give their client's legal advice when law enforcement or other governmental agencies want to talk to the sexually exported child. So a non-lawyer advocate cannot advise a client about legal implications. They can't file suit on behalf of the client when their client's rights are being violated. And they may have evidentiary privileges that may apply. Uh, they may, they're also in a position where they may have to be reporting information that the child is giving them to law enforcement. Um, which brings me to the final point. Um, provision of the act relating to the functions and programs offered by the safe house and its personnel. Actually, most of the safe houses are offering programs similar to juvenile diversion programs. And safe house personnel take on the role of a probation or parole officer as opposed to a caregiver. I've already said this is a model for failure. Um, these children shouldn't be placed in a situation, nor should the advocate be placed in a situation where they're required to alert the court for you know, non-compliance with certain in terms of a diversion program that's imposed on a child. And it, it's going to make the sexually exploited child feel more withdrawn from safe house staff and it ties back into the whole inability for that child to feel safe or heal and that child to feel re-victimized. Repeating myself, studies show that this model routinely fails these children who are victims. So almost in reverse order, uh, that would be one of the most crucial components that, that I would recommend needs to be changed.
1: Julia, your expertise is amazing and I cannot believe how wonderful it is to share this information with our listeners. Can you tell our listeners what can citizens do to see that these recommendations and changes are actually made to the act? Do they have any way to do this?
4: Citizens are, are wonderful and I speak all of the time and everyone wants to know what they can do and, and so many uh, people want to just run out there and save a child. and. I know that feeling, but uh, there's many things the average citizen can do. They can communicate their desires. They can educate their neighbors. They can host an educational program. They can get engaged in the political progress. Know who your congressperson is. Join a committee that's active, like a local coalition. There are so many non-governmental organizations out there that need volunteers in the human trafficking arena. Volunteer with one of those organizations that are working on this legislation. Um, also, bring training into their own practice areas, whether you're a first responder, a lawyer, a health care provider. Bring best into your business to uh, train your business. Uh, go online. There are wonderful resources online. Keep track of the bills and legislation at the federal level through uh, govtrack.us and go to online sunshine to keep track of the Florida legislation and keep an eye on where they're at. And if it's not moving, um, write a letter, make a phone call, get engaged. So those are some real simple things that uh, an average citizen can do to make a change.
1: Uh, Julia, do you think that um, the average citizen, uh, based on your suggestion, and I agree with you, that they contact their congressperson or they, you know, Get a hold of some senators that if they see that those positions are um, not in alignment with what they want to happen, will back down if those senators and Congress people have already supported the safe harbor that's in place now. Or do you think that it's well worth their efforts to try to make these recommendations?
4: As an advocate, as an advocate for the child, as an advocate for the victim, you've got to keep your eye on the ball. I would say go. I would just do it go for it because what's the purpose of having an act it's, it's a great start but let's make it better and, and let's make it better for the children we're serving so i would say make the call write the letter get engaged
1: julia just um something off of everything would you be so kind as to tell our listeners how to contact you as an attorney if we wanted to use your services and what areas you actually practice in?
4: That's so sweet of you, thank you, yes. My direct line, my office is in Boca. We also have an office in Palm Beach Gardens and an office in Ocala. My direct line is five six one nine one two zero one three five. If you actually Google my name, L-U-Y-S-T-E-R. I am all over the Internet um, because I do uh, write the firm blog. I have my own social justice blog. And um, because of the number of speaking engagements I've given on this topic, I'm easily found. My practice areas are civil litigation, which includes labor and employment issues. I also do family law issues, construction litigation, any contract disputes. But thank you, Linda, for... uh,
1: No, thank you for sharing that information with the general public because I believe your services are well needed and your
3: expertise is uh, available and they should know how to reach you. Sarah has a quick announcement. Don't go (laughs) away, (laughs) Julie. Be sure to like Building Empowerment by Stopping Trafficking on Facebook to keep yourself up to date on everything happening with BEST. Do you love your best voice radio show? Check our page every week to see who our guests will be and what our topic will be. That's www.facebook.com slash beststoptrafficking. And we are here today with Julia
1: Leister from Rutherford-Mohal, Mohall, is an expert in human trafficking and other areas. Eddie, you have a question.
2: Sure. I wanted to ask you, the uh, Florida Safe Harbor Act has passed and the damage has been done, but future damage can be prevented if the judges and others will work together with lawyers and certified coaches and those trained in this area and not alienate organizations that have a good program. How does this message get across to the judges, Julia?
4: You know, I'm amazed at my own personal experience over the past number of years being an advocate and educator for victims' rights, that certain organizations seem to believe this is a turf war. And it's across the board from NGOs, government to governmental entities, they're a little territorial. But there's a lot of resistance to relinquishing control, and I think part of that is accepting change. Accepting that this is a new service area that the old model does not fit and also taking it to the next level, the level of actually providing the protection prong of the model. PART has done a great job of raising awareness to the general public. It now has to execute on the three P's, the prevention, the prosecution, and the protection, which brings us straight into the courtroom. So, it has to become a victim-centered mentality in order to successfully both investigate and prosecute the trafficker. And it takes time for a victim to be stable and free from fear in order to become an effective witness. Getting the message to the judges is actually mandated by Florida Statute. Now, we have a subcommittee. The Florida Bar has a subcommittee on human trafficking. I'm not aware how active it is in developing the education for the judges, but uh, there. Their reliance on an organization that has special training in this area is critical because the fact pattern is that judges are less sympathetic where defendants have enticed U.S. citizens because they're runaways, especially older minors aged 16 and 17. There's still the perception that the minor is a delinquent and not a victim. So DCF and others, judges, They're ingrained in treating these children as delinquents rather than victims. So you need a fresh base. You need a fresh base associated with the trafficking victim for the judges to hear the right message.
1: Uh, Julia, do you believe that there are also changes that are needed to federal legislature?
4: Oh, our federal legislation is stalled. Um, There's four very important acts that are just... And it's very important to uh, get engaged, get online, find these acts, call your congressperson, ask them to support these four p- vital bills, and I'll run through them real quickly. Please. The most important one is Senate Bill 1301, and it's the Trafficking Victims Protection Reauthorization Act of 2011. That is so such a key piece of federal le- legislation because that actually... Um, is the legislation that provides assistance to to minor victims of sex trafficking through grant programs to the state. And this act was allowed to expire in September of 2011. It was referred to committee in December of 2011. And if you look at the statistics, it is a belief that the House bill only has a 2% chance of being enacted. The Senate bill has a little bit. A higher percentage of 21%, but we really need to get behind this particular uh, act. It has—I could talk about that for another hour—but it's been revamped, remodified, and has wonderful key components to it that are critical to fighting human trafficking, not only in the United States but globally. The second one is House Bill 2759, which is. Business Transparency on Trafficking and Slavery Act. It was referred to committee in August of 2011. It's got less than 1% chance of being passed, but this would be a beautiful piece of legislation because it's actually uh, modeled after the California Transparency Act, and it would require corporations doing business in certain places of a certain size to require that their direct supply chain is slave-free. In other words, that... Let's talk about children again. That children are not mining, or to create our electronic products, or that children are not making bricks in in Asia, or that or carpets, or that children are not harvesting cocoa for our chocolate or coffee beans. So it's a, it's a very important piece of legislation. The last two is House Bill 2730, which is strengthening the Child Welfare Response to Trafficking Act. I couldn't find any current information on it. And finally, House Bill 4259, also also a Senate bill, comparable Senate bill 2234, End Trafficking and Government Contracting Act of 2012. That has a 29% chance of being passed. But again, it's comparable to the Business Transparency Act in that it would look at government contracting and uh, monitor the government contracting and whether it's using slave labor um, uh, in its chain supply chain
1: Julia why do you think that uh, 1301 is getting such um, little momentum
4: I do not know I do not know what do you think
1: do you think that it has anything to do with the current state um, movements that are going forward or do you think that the federal is just separate and apart?
4: I think the federal is separate as so
1: far Do you think that they, it's more important to have a unified um, legislature out there? Or do I you think
4: that federal, uh, for my personal opinion, mm-hmm. having read the pre- previous versions of it, spoken about it, seen what it does, is critical. I think it's critical because it provides so much to the states. It's so many elements to it that states can model, and it also operates globally.
1: Right. Julia, will you tell our listeners one more time um, your law firm and the phone number and how they can reach you because we are coming to an end? Yes,
4: I am with Rutherford Mahal. I am in Boca Raton. We also have offices in Palm Beach Gardens and Ocala. And my direct line is 561-912-0135. And, Linda, thank you so much for...
1: Having me on your show. We thank you. We really do. We can't express our thanks enough. You are the best. Uh, Sarah,
3: you have a quick uh, read before we go off the air? Yes. Lawyers also mark your calendars on Friday, September 7th at Roxy's Bar on Clamatus Street in Palm Beach, Florida. Best is holding an info night for Best Laws. This will be a great networking event, and we will also be raffling off gift certificates to Palm Beach's favorite restaurants. Come after work, meet other members of the legal community, and learn more about this great program. If you're interested in attending, please RSVP at our contact form at www. Stop trafficking slash contact.
1: This is Linda Sullivan here with Anti Foodman, my co host, and Sarah Sullivan from Northeastern. Come and listen to us every Wednesday from noon to one on your best voice radio. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to Best Stop Trafficking, your best voice. Hosted by Linda Sullivan, certified master coach for victims of human trafficking. In fact, BEST stands for Building Empowerment by Stopping Trafficking. Specializing in aiding the victim to pursuing and prosecuting the trafficker. To reach BEST, call 305-728-5218 or just go to beststoptrafficking.org that's beststoptrafficking.org the opinions expressed on the preceding sponsored program were strictly those of its hosts guests and callers and not necessarily those of the station its staff management or sponsors